0: They sometimes make us thirsty. And I want you to think about that for a moment on a hot day like we had yesterday. You might get thirsty and you want to go in the house, take a glass and you want to fill it with a nice cold water. Let's say you take that glass and you take it over to the refrigerator and you get your water or you go to the sink and you get it out of the, uh, the, uh, the sink and uh, you know you take a swig of it and it's not as cold as you would like for it to be. But it's a full glass, and so you walk over to the ice dispenser, or if you have ice trays, you go to the freezer and you get you some ice, and you drop it in there. And what happens? There's really no room for the ice. You can't just fill up the jar or the glass with the ice. Now it would have been better to put the ice in first and then the water, but what happens is you end up with a mess. Now, let's just suppose that after you've had your glass of water, you you got it there, you decide, well, I would rather have milk. And so you go to the refrigerator and you've got your glass of water. Do you take the gallon of milk and do you just pour it into the glass? Or would it be better to empty out the content of the glass and then pour the milk in? Which would be better? I would imagine if you had something to drink and even if you drank all the milk that was in the glass and there was some residue in the glass and it was sitting there for a while and you decided that you wanted another glass of water or maybe put some pop in it, you would go and you would wash that glass out and make sure that all that residue was gone. Well, I think Peter addresses something like that. You have your Bible. Turn over to First Peter chapter one. Actually, chapter two. We're going to back up to chapter one in a minute. But First Peter chapter two. You see, Peter's talking about our heart, and sometimes what we put in our heart causes us problems. If we put the right thing in our heart, we'll be doing good. And I think that we'll see the results in our lives in how much peace and joy and happiness that we have as opposed to having some things in there that Peter is going to tell us don't belong in that glass. They don't belong in our heart. And so we begin reading in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, "...wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I want to talk about those passages of Scripture this morning. And the first thing that we notice in that verse is wherefore. Well, as I mentioned earlier in the the earlier hour, The verses and chapters aren't there by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't break it up into verses and chapters For That's man's invention. Man put it there so it's easier for us to follow along, find verses of Scripture and find passages to be able to have people to read and and, and be on the same page without having to look so hard. And so that wherefore is a continuation of the thought that took place in chapter 1. And so if you would, I want you to back up. And I have some of the verses on the screen, but I don't have all of them. So it may be better for you to back up and look at it in the Scripture, in your Bible. And I hope you have your Bible this morning. But notice what it says. Beginning of verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. I want to stop right there. What's it, ta- what's it telling us there? That we have purified our soul. How did we purify our soul? We purified our soul when we put the Word of God in it and we have been obedient to that Word. And so when we obeyed the Gospel, we heard that message, we obeyed the Gospel, it purified our soul, and so we're to continue on to try to keep that soul, to keep that heart the way God wants it to be. And so we're to love one another with a pure heart. We can't have a pure heart and have some of the things that we just read that Peter says, get rid of. We can't have those things in our life. And so he goes on. In verse 23, being born again, "...not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you." Now back up into verse 23, and what does it say? "...being born again." How are we born again? We're not born by that corruptible seed. Because what it's talking about there is when we come into this world, when we're born into this world by our parents, You know, we come into the world because of our natural uh, fleshly parents. We realize that this old body is going to decay. Nobody's going to be eliminated from that. You, me, everybody, our body starts to decay. We start to fall apart. We start to have problems. And eventually, we're going to die. Every single one of us in this room, if this world lasts long enough, every single one of us is going to die. And so it's telling us that this isn't a fleshly birth. This being born again is of an incorruptible seed. It's that spiritual seed that we're talking about. The life that that does not decay. It doesn't fall apart. It's not going to die. And so it's something that is good, but how does it happen? It happens by the Word of God. God tells us what we need to do in order to be saved. When we do those things, then we're in a saved condition. Our heart is pure. But it's possible that we can leave some of those things in our lives that need to be discarded. Or we can allow them to creep back into our lives if we're not very careful. And He goes on and gives us an example about the flesh and I think the relationship here is with the flowers and the grass. The grass is green, but we also know that when it gets cut, it withers away. We may look in the flower bed and we may see a beautiful flower. And it may be beautiful today, but by the end of the week, it's going to start to fade away. And eventually, it's going to fall off. Those petals on the flower are going to fall to the ground. And before long, you won't even remember that flower. And that's, what, that's what's going to happen with our physical bodies Think about that for a moment. We're going to die, we're going to be buried, and people are going to forget all about us. You say, "Well, not my family." Yeah, your family will forget you too. Because how many of us know our great great grandfather? The only way we may know many times is by going back and searching to find out who we're related to and how we got here. But our body's going to decay. It's going to die. But that spiritual body is not going to die. We'll be lost if we're not faithful to God. And we'll be in a devil's hell for eternity. And then he tells us in comparison to that physical body that's going to decay, the Word of God will endure forever. It's not going to go away. I hear a lot of people say we need to change God's Word or we can disregard God's Word. That's what they did way back here or way back there. No, God is still the same. You see, from the very beginning, He had a plan to send His Son to this earth to die for our sins. And that Son came and He died for our sins. And He rose from the grave and now He's reigning in heaven. That was God's plan from the beginning. And so God is the same today. He'll be the same tomorrow. And He was the same yesterday. There's no changing with God. And so when He tells us in His Word what we need to do, we need to heed those words and do it. And so the wherefore is tied to that previous verses. You see, the Gospel is not about malice. It's not about deceit. It's not about um, uh, hypocrisies. It's not about evil speaking. It's not about evil. The Gospel is about love and truth and purity, self-sacrifice and good news. Think about that. The word gospel means good news. The good news that Jesus died for our sins in our place. We need to be thankful for that. And so Peter goes on, wherefore what we are to do is to lay aside certain things. And that lay aside means to eliminate. It means to reject. It means to discard, expel. It means to get rid of it in your life. Not have a little bit. Not say, well, you know, I don't have all of these things. I just sort of have a little bit of one. Peter says get rid of it all. It's like having a glass of water. Let's say you're sitting out in your backyard and you've got that glass that's been sitting there and somebody comes along and they're spraying insecticide. And you know that the breeze is blowing and it's blowing over your glass. Do you want to drink it? Or would you go and you dump it out, wash that glass real good, and then fill it up again? Brethren, that's our heart that we're talking about here with Peter. What's in your heart? Do you need to cleanse it? Do you need to clean it? If you've got these things in your life, you need to get rid of them. And what does Peter tell us? All malice. Not some malice. All malice. And what's malice? Hatred, animosity, desire to injure or to hurt someone. All of those things need to go away out of our lives. It's kind of the attitude of, I wish you were dead. or I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to do anything for you. That's the attitude that some people have. When you think of the prodigal son. The prodigal son went off and... He took his father the inheritance that he had from his father. He went off into a far country and he wasted it on things that he shouldn't have been doing with it. And finally he came to himself and he said, the higher servants of my father's house have it better than I have it here. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell my father I'm sorry. I've sinned. And he did that. And when he got to his father's house, you see the father's waiting for him and he comes in and what does the father do? He kills the fatty calf, puts a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, the best robe, and he does all of these things and there's a a great celebration that's taking place. But then there's the older brother. The older brother is like looking at the younger brother and saying, this is your son. Look what he's done how come I've never had a party for myself? How come you've never done any of these things for me? Now, he stayed home. He was there with his dad. But look at the difference. Do you think that older brother had envy? Do you think he had jealousy? Do you think he was evil? Doesn't sound like a happy person though, does he? Look at his heart. Brethren, look at our hearts. We need to put that away. Got to get rid of all guile. That's lies. Being deceitful. All those things need to go. Hypocrisies. Acting. Pretending that we're something that we're not. And many times we may come in here to the church building and everybody thinks everything's okay, but you know what's going on in your life. And many times the things that's going on in your life may not be what what other people see. It's kind of hidden. And that's what Jesus is talking about when He's talking about the Pharisees. When He's condemning them and He says, you're white as sepulchres on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones. So basically they look good on the outside, but what was taking place inside was rottenness, was evil. you know what's in your heart? You can fool all of us, but you can't fool yourself. And you can't fool God. So don't play. Don't pretend you're something that you're not. If you're a Christian, then be a Christian. Be a Christian not only in these walls, but when you go outside of the building, when you go to work, when you go to school, wherever you may go, at home, whatever it is, live the Christian life. Get rid of envy. <clears throat> that's jealousy and coveting what other people have. Many times in our world today, we see that quite often. They've got to give it to me. I want it. I want it. I want it. And sometimes that's the way we are. It may not be intentional, some of these things that that's why I said they can creep back in if we're not careful. It's sort of like that pesticide blowing over. How much poison do you want in your in your food or in your drink? Before you say, oh, I'm not going to eat it, I'm not going to drink it. James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Think about that. Think about how miserable people are that have these things in their life. You know people like that. I know people that have that. I know people that are on the other side that have their heart pure and clean and they don't have that evilness. Who's happier? Who's happier? You know the answer to that question. A happy person, that one that has peace and joy and happiness, is the one that has gotten these things out of their heart, out of their life. I preached last Sunday about just letting go. Sometimes we don't want to let go. And think of the peace that we could have if we would just let go. Who wants to carry that ball and chain around forever? Let go. Let God take care of it. Get rid of all evil speaking. Gossip, slander, backbiting, things of that nature. Why is that important to us? Jesus tells us what we're supposed to do when we have a problem with someone. He doesn't say, get on the phone, get on the computer, get on whatever, and start telling everybody else about it. He says, listen to what he said. Let me just quote him Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. you got a problem with somebody? Go talk to that somebody. Why is that so hard to do? And let me tell you, if if somebody's talking to you about somebody, what's your obligation? To hear it and to listen to it? What you should do is when you hear it, say, you need to go talk to that individual that you have a problem with. Because that's what... Jesus said, go talk to them. You know why we don't want to do that? I can tell you why we don't want to do that. Because we don't want to get cut out of the loop. Because nobody's going to call you and say, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? So I want to hear that. And so therefore, no, I didn't. What was it? Oh... Should they be saying that? No, they shouldn't be saying that, but oh, please tell me. I want to hear it. But do we tell them to do the right thing? Go to that individual that you've got a problem with. And when you do that, guess what? They won't be calling you no more. That's what Jesus says to do. Go to that individual. Then take two or three if they don't listen. Then tell it to the church if they don't listen. We get it backwards sometimes. but You know why gossips do what they do? They're cowards. They're cowards. They don't want to go to that individual. It's easier to tell everybody else. They're cowards. And cowards, along with gossipers, are going to have their part in the lake of fire. Don't want to go there, do we? So don't allow it to happen. Get rid of it. All evil speaking, get rid of it. You see, it all has to be removed. It has to be taken away. And don't think that just because it doesn't say all in front of all those words doesn't mean that you can keep some of it in your life. Peter's saying get rid of it all. Get rid of it. Don't have it in your life. Don't have it as a part of your life. Why? Because those things that are mentioned there, malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speaking, those things don't mix with God's Word. They don't fit in with God's Word. And so Peter tells us what to desire. Get rid of those things and desire this. Desire the sincere milk of the Word. I know many times that we look at that and we say the newborn babes, and supplying to new Christians. I'm not so sure that that's the truth. I think that it may be a comparison that we need to understand that as a child, as a baby, when it comes into this world and it gets hungry, it wants to be fed. And if it's not fed, it's going to let everybody know that it's hungry and needs to be fed. And so when it comes into this world, it wants its mother to take care of it and to feed it. And that's what Peter is telling us. As Christians, we need to have that desire, that hunger for God's Word. It's a simple analogy of the desire that you and I need For the Word of God. And what should we desire? The pure Word of God. Look at what it says in Psalms chapter 19, verses 7 through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are pure, are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. God's Word it's very special. Look at what it can do for you. And it's to be desired more than gold. Now, if, if we heard that there was a gold truck driving by and it was just dumping gold out, how many of us would be sitting in here right now? We'd probably be a lot of us out there trying to scoop as much out up as we could. But how hungry are we for the pure Word of God? See, why is it important? The Word of God is there for our benefit and for our growth. What brings growth? The Word of God. Malice, deceit, hypocrisies, envy, evil talk, none of that brings what we want. It brings immaturity. Love, truth, purity, self-sacrifice, the good news, all of those produce growth. And I'll go on to say that those things, love, truth, and peace, and all those things, make the individual more content, more satisfied. You look at the person that has these things, malice and deceit, and these things in their life. Are they happy? Or are they miserable? Well, they may be happy occasionally, but deep down inside, there's always something they're eating. That's why it's important to let go. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In other words, we're here to help each other, and God's Word helps us not only to help us as an individual, but to help us as God's people. Your talent may be different than my talent, but we all work together. For the body of Christ. To build it up. To grow. And not only grow as an individual, but grow as a congregation. To become stronger, more knowledgeable in the Word of God. And so, if you want to grow, we have to taste the graciousness of God. If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Well, have we tasted that? Back up to to chapter 1. If we've been born again, we've tasted it. But there's a big word there if. There is no doubt that God is gracious. There's no doubt that He's extended His grace to you and me. He's made it possible that you and I could have salvation. He tells us what we need to do in order to be saved. He tells us how to live, and so that we can remain in that saved condition, and so that we we can have that home in heaven with him in the hereafter for eternity. God tells us all of those things. Did He have to do that? Did He? Was it required that He? No, He didn't have to do it, but He loved us enough to do it, and so He's extended His grace. And as a Christian that's been born again, we've obeyed the gospel. We've tasted that grace. Question is: Have you participated in that grace? You see, our growth is grace, or based upon God's grace. If you have tasted that grace, you will lay aside malice, deceit, the hypocrisies, the envy, the evil speaking. All of those things would be discarded from your life if you you trusted God with the fact of what you needed to do to be born again, to be saved why not continue to trust Him in telling us what we need to get rid of in our lives so that we can be pleasing to Him? If we face to that grace, then as newborn babes, we'll desire that sincere milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. Are you hungry for God's Word? How many of us deep down are really hungry for God's Word? How do I accept that graciousness? Through obedience to His Word. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells us the story of the seed, the sower. In Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 11, he says, Now the parable is this The seed is the Word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the Word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. They that are on the rocks are they, when they have heard and received the word with joy, and these have no roots, which for a while believed, and in time of temptation fell away. That which fell away among thorns are they, which when they heard go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bringeth no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in a honest and good heart have heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. I think we all have seen people in all of these categories. Some that have fallen by the wayside. devil's taken away. They don't want to hear the gospel message. They may have heard it, but they don't want to accept it. Then there's some that have obeyed the gospel, but they have no roots. They haven't grown like they should, and the cares and pleasures of this world get into their life, and they would rather pursue those. Then we see the good ground. What kind of heart do you have? Is your heart the good ground? Is the Word of God the seed going into your heart, where you want to be born again? If you're not, you haven't been born uh, born again. Then, what do you need to do? You need to do exactly what they did on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, when they believed that message that Peter was preaching and the other apostles were preaching, they cried out. They interrupted the sermon, cried out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, if you want your sins remitted, washed away, We have to trust God to do what He said He would do if we're faithful and obedient to His will. And so on that occasion, there were about 3,000 souls who gladly received His word and were baptized into Christ. And the Bible tells us that the Lord added them to the church, and He'll do the same thing today for those who will gladly receive His word and be obedient to His will. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe from the time that you've obeyed the Gospel, you didn't get rid of all these things. You didn't let them go. You didn't release them. You didn't rid yourself of those things that Peter mentioned. That's a problem and you need to take care of it. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've let those things creep back into your life. You realize that they weren't weren't supposed to be in your life, but somehow you've allowed them to come back. Get rid of those things. If you have sin with somebody, go to that person and talk to that individual. If it's between you and God, then take care of it between you and God. But if you need our prayers, we're here to help you in any way that we can. We want everybody to be in heaven. We want us all to have that as our goal. But we can only do it when we're obedient to God's will. So this morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, we would encourage you to do so. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.